Greetings, Poe fans. Welcome to another edition of Poe Unplugged. I am Carmen Bolden. And I am Jeannie Smith, and we are the Potastic Two. Come Zoom with us into the Unbook Club dedicated to the works of Mr. Edgar Allan Poe. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to Poe Unplugged. We're so happy you guys are here. And hopefully everybody has had time to either read for the first time or reread Never Bet the Devil Your Head. So I'm anxious to hear about everyone's thoughts on this particular Poe tale. So does anybody want to start? I guess I will, because I just want to get it out there. I absolutely love this story. I think it's pure <laughs> gold. I feel like every word he says, I'm smiling. It's just my sense of humor. And I just think, like, the writing in it is just so fluid. It's just, and it's a lot of fun. I mean, he yeah. doesn't like the devil in there, thrown in there in a fun way. So I just, I just love it. I think he did put a lot of his personality and opinions in the story. Yes. Absolutely. It was definitely a Poe opinionated point. Yeah. I was trying to okay. think. Too many P's. Yeah. A po ponyated. <laughs> I was trying to put Poe uh, in that, it, it, it was okay. That that was not as good of a word as like apropos. But anyway, um, yeah, he definitely, um, this was definitely a knock. I, I was going to say, Will beat me to it. Really sticking it to the transcendentalist or frog ponders, frog pondians. Um, yes, absolutely. Um, every bit of this, yeah, tongue in cheek and just his hatred of the transcendentalists, definitely. Which is kind of strange because if you look at the actual definition of the noun of a transcendentalist, mm -hmm. it's the people that, you know, eschew government, you know, conformity, want to get away from it all, looking for that higher existence in that point of view which in some things you can read poe and see that he has the same ideas he's not really a big you know doesn't big on he's not big on religion doesn't like a you know organized religion but he also it's it's like most of his works in my opinion he's looking at things from the opposite point of view and it's not really conformity in my opinion with his writing, so you raised an important question. So, like for me, like I always feel like obviously Edgar Allan Poe is really spiritual, but I never really took away from him that he's like anti-organized religion. Um, I mean, I know you guys are the experts, so I mean, if you don't mind giving me some examples, because I guess when I read his things, like I know he's he's very much like heaven or hell. He's kind of like, I mean, he draws from both. He draws from the idea of like the Christianity version of heaven and stuff. Uh, yeah, but I guess I just always assumed that I don't, I guess, you know, like that makes you religious in a way. Cause I, I mean, me and myself, I'm more spiritual than I would say I'm religious, but well, when I use the terminology of organized religion, I'm talking about the, the structured area of, of church having oh, to sure. show okay. up on Monday you know, Sunday, you know, mass on Wednesday nights and, and having it very structured and organized to where you have to fit in this cookie cutter, in my opinion. Now, you also have to remember, I grew up Holy Roller Southern Baptist. So uh, my my idea of organized religion, there is no room for doubt. There's no room for bringing any other religion into play you're not allowed to talk about any other religions because they are not out there even if you're in the christian umbrella because all the protestants all the catholics all the they're all under the christian faith but they will not recognize each other because catholics are catholics and you know baptists are baptists and protestants and you know and lutheran and all that so they each have their own uh strict organization of how things should be so mm -hmm. in that my totally makes sense then yeah okay yeah, I understand. So I'm I look, thinking like, yeah. Yeah, yeah so when i look at poe it's not that i don't think he believes in spirituality or religion as a whole 
I just think that he, because he brings in so many different, because he's bringing in polytheistic types of religions, you know, instead of the all, you know, all seeing monotheistic with the, you know, omnipotent of one God and one, you know, he talks about all different faiths. So that's where I get it to where he, in my opinion, in his writing, he's not one of those that he only recognizes one religion as being above all. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. So, I guess mm-hmm. I was definitely thinking, because I went to like Catholic high school, I'm not Catholic, but I guess, mm-hmm. yeah, I just kind of felt like I'm so drilled into my head that like, you know what I mean? Like, if you believe, oh. believe in God, you believe in like a structure, like, oh, then, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Not like literally the actions of like going to mass or confession or any of those things. Yeah. Right. But and then, well, this also goes back to in my, my raisings as a, a Baptist, it's not that it was wholly bad, not, you know, a W H O L, you know, not, you know, H O L Y. It was just that you weren't accepted as being a Christian unless you followed by going to church religiously on Sundays or going on Friday nights or going to Bible school or following this set thing, you know, you weren't seen a Christian just because, Hey, if you miss one week of church, then, you know, you need to be rebaptized because you all of a sudden the devil has taken over and you're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Brimstone. Yes. Yes. That's why. It needs mm. to be understood that organized religion, that's what I mean when I when I use the term organized. Because if you think of organizations like corporate America, that mm. type of thing, they all have very strict understandings. Uh, like the Mormons, you know, I don't have a problem with the Mormons. Mormons want to be Mormons. Let Mormons be Mormons. If they want to say that a chameleon, I think it's a chameleon, isn't it a golden, is it a golden salamander? Yeah, golden yes, yes. Yeah, golden salamander is the one that brought them their religious text. Okay, yeah. that's no different than a burning bush, you know. Right. Or, <laughs> yes. But it just seems that you know Poe to me is one of those that he's a writer, he's a poet, but he very much whether he likes it or don't, whether he likes you or don't like you he's still going to recognize a part of who you are and what you yeah. believe in like transcendentalist. He may not believe in what you do or anything. And he's going to tell you, and he's probably going to make fun and poke fun at you in satire. You know, <laughs> that's yeah. probably why parts of the reason he's not being, you know, liked most of the time. Very because true. You Emerson, you have Emerson and then you had, was it Longfellow and mm-hmm. who was Rowe. One. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You had all of these that at that time were, you know, were big popular, just like uh, Byron and all the rest of them. But they were you know, locking themselves up like they were the new age uh, survivalists of today. <laughs> yeah. And going, see you. Well, and they I'm had more. Yeah, they had more of that, you know, spiritual thought process rather than looking at science for proving it was more faith, faith rather than um, scientific proof, I guess you could say. And so I, I think I think part of that, that's just my opinion that Poe, because of how strong he was with his own science that he wrote, that I think that's why his kind of hatred of the transcendentalists kind of popped up and I know that he did scathing reviews of almost all the transcendentalists and that's why they didn't like him for the most part and that's why I think that's part of the rift of him and his the Boston connection even though he was born there yeah but I guess the real problem that I have is that, yes, transcendentalists, there's all different kinds of ways that you can talk about it, but they just believe in something more than, you know, the five senses. They believe in extra, you know, and that's why when I think of Poe and I'm going, well, yeah, you would think somebody who likes to, you know, locks people up in walls and, you know, (laughs) 
put hearts yeah, under yeah. planks and you know because he he very much even though he doesn't come out but he does talk about how he believes in a higher power he does talk about god he talks about the devil he talks about so i guess that's what really threw me in this story is that yes he was like poking but i don't know if he was poking fun at the whole or if he was just poking fun at the people you know what i'm saying yeah to the your point yeah, yeah, to your point, you're right. I, I totally agree with the sense of like, because I think it was in the article he, he wrote about what makes a poem a good poem. And he mm -hmm. talks about Lord Byron. He talks about all the things that poetry should be, like drawing from nature. I know he gives like a quote where it was actually, I think it has something to do with trees or like sorrow or something like that connection mm -hmm. with the transcendentalist actually was about like connecting with things around you to understand mm -hmm. Like your purpose in life. So yeah, to that point, Jeannie, absolutely. He did share a lot of the same values for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and that's the thing that I feel that in this, this story, especially it's a love hate relationship that, mm -hmm. and, um, <laughs> and what really gets me is the very beginning when we're talking about, damn it, by the way, yes. I love these <laughs> names, you know? Yes. <laughs> Love very clever oh, damn it yeah damn it but what's so funny is he makes out a hum as being the curse word of everything yes but not the curse word but i mean in the very beginning where he's got like damn it was flirting at three was it three months old he was flirting with all the female babies and then he was gambling yes. at six months or i'm thinking dang and the baby gets around Okay. What I really like too, with going back to the very beginning with um, describing to Toby, damn it, you know, whatever, yeah. whatever you want to refer to him as, um, yeah. that he was flogged by his mother and it was done wrong because she was left-handed, which is devilish. And so, you know, because of that time of the superstitions of left-handed people and, um, you know, it's like, not that he was flogged as a baby it was no he was flogged wrongly with the left hand i thought that was really right. really funny <laughs> and right <laughs> the well, i love it punk rock yeah let's go to the punk Heck yeah rock era. yes <laughs> yeah. Um, will will says inventing the name toby damn it was as if poe had astral projected to the punk. yes love that <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well and as i was telling carmen also in in some ways you could say that he was throwing shade back at boston because of the southpaw you know because yeah. southpaw's left-handers yep. that's what they call them <laughs> he probably was <laughs> exactly so, oh, but yeah, so, what was the other name? It wasn't just Toby, damn it. There was another one. Oh, Mr. Lord. He referred yeah. to mm -hmm. the devil as Mr. Lord. Yeah. Yes. You know, well, I guess we could call him the devil or he's the gatekeeper. Or, yeah. Because he was the dude on the bridge. Yeah. But kept cussing by saying, ahem. Okay. Boy, if that were the truth, I'd gotten in trouble all the time in class. <laughs> yeah. What did you what did you guys think of like the, you know, and Poe Poe is kind of famous for this, sometimes taking forever to get to the point. Like at the very beginning, he goes on and on about, you know, um, a tale should be told with a moral. And um, the, the narrator even refers himself to, himself to La Fontaine, who wrote animal fables. And so, um, and some of the research I did was that some of the critics of Poe were saying that he didn't write tales with morals. And so this was kind of over reaching and over like hyperextended almost in his writing to prove, yes, I do see it kind of thing. What did y'all think of that? I mean, I think the moral is clearly there. Yes. I mean, it's, it's as plain as the glasses on my face. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yes. There's no, there's no, there's no hidden like mm -hmm. it's 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 not a, it's not a cipher it's no. not it, it's not a puzzle that we have to figure out it, it's like bam it's right it's there. in the title yeah it's in you the title see what's gonna, you're like okay is it gonna happen right now nope okay so it's gonna happen now okay so it's gonna happen now 
and and you know it's coming mm-hmm. you know it's coming and then it happens and you're like oh yeah well he tried to tell you <laughs> yeah and, yeah. and and when it does happen, it's just so, you know, nicely Poe with, you know, him jumping over or trying to jump over the turnstile and, you know, the the devil catching the head in his apron, which the narrator thought that was very odd that he's wearing an apron, you know, which I think I would too, if I'm coming up, you know, on a covered bridge and there's this little man with an apron on over his suit and it's like, Hold on a second. Uh, let's see. Will also says, I like to think that pretty much all tales have morals, some more nuanced than others. The question is, at one point, does an obvious moral cross the line into preachiness? Oh, that's a good question. Mm. Sometimes it does. Yeah. <clears throat> and some people and, still don't get it. Just saying. Yeah. True. True. And that that is in the case of this character, because clearly the narrator unnamed yet again is going on and on about do that you shouldn't do that you shouldn't do that you Mm -hmm. know and he keeps trying and he's like nah you know i'm gonna you know i I do this i do that and i can do that and not bet the devil my head you know and it's like okay but yeah and in some ways i think that's also another indication that when you try to preach to someone and try to tell them the things and not to do certain things that it comes down to where most people, and I've had this happen. I would tell it to my kids in class Mm -hmm. that you just have to let people find out for themselves. And sometimes you pray that it doesn't go awry, but at the same time, some people just have to learn by, you know, accepting the consequences of their actions, knowing that. Yeah. Will go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, my Zoom <laughs> cut off when you guys were reacting to my comments, so I'm just trying to play a little bit of catch up here. Oh no! Oh. I thought I thought you went out and you got it, like you came right back in. Yeah. And so what was the last thing you heard? What was the last thing you heard? Uh, you know, uh, was it Jeannie talking about you know people finding out for themselves? Just the last you know twenty seconds. Raise my so hand. you missed what Virginia said. So oh, Virginia said it. Yeah, no, I, I said that, but what Virginia said before that, what I was talking about, you missed probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you remember what you said, Virginia? Uh, good question. Um, <laughs> you had to go. You had to do the whole thing over again. My name again? <laughs> no, yeah, we're just saying about how preachy he was, but he kept saying like, "Stop yeah, doing because, that." Stop doing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, and you do it happens you know he kept trying to say it and kept trying to say it and he damn it just kept ignoring him and then of course you know there you go so in some places that did get preachy but i think it's because and this is just my interpretation of it mm-hmm. he really cared for damn it damn uh-huh. it i care for you i'm That's sorry i've been wanting no, to do no. that all day <laughs> yes well, they, to me, they were the total opposites attract as friends. I mean, you know, he uh-huh. was the more, the narrator was the moral upright, you know, you shouldn't be doing this. You're going to regret it. And damn, it was all the, the evil things, you know, and that's why the transcendentalists wouldn't pay for his funeral because he was an evildoer seen as that. Mm. So, yeah. yeah, I think it's the perfect storm of, you know, you know, I'm sure that the narrator wanted to say, I told you so. Yeah. To well, his you know. suspended body with no head that lived for a couple days. <laughs> well, I mean, in some ways he kind of did get his last word in because yeah. damn it without his head, he still took him to the homeopathics. And then he still, you know, he even says he still refused any, you know, anything they tried to do. And I'm thinking, well, it's kind of hard to put anybody if they don't have a head, but okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same instance, it's like even in you know, even with his head cut off and losing the bet, he still refused to accept that what happened happened. happened. And my yeah. and yeah, 
that and that that right. also goes to the whole point that some people, even if you do try to teach them morals and you do get a little preachy, people still don't get it. It just goes right over their head, pun intended. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but <laughs> but I also think in this story, especially, it gives me okay. I'm going to throw this in. The little devil and the angel that always sits on the shoulders in the cartoons. Because mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's what I felt with Dammit and his narrator friend. Yeah. Like one was the angel, one was the devil. And then you had Mr. Lord who was lording over them and waiting to come in and say, mm-hmm. All right, now put up or shut up. And that's, you know, mm-hmm. that's what the home I got from there. It was time. You know, yeah. it's time. Put up or shut up, buddy boy. Yeah. So I did get a little, he did get a long winded at the very beginning, especially when he was yeah. writing in French and all that. And I'm going, really? Really? It reminded me of the premature burial. Both of them start out more like one of his nonfiction opinion pieces, yes. mm-hmm. articles, mm-hmm. and then suddenly turns True. into a plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you know, you kind of wonder what he was. Was that the whole intention when he wrote like both of these uh, tales? Did he have that in mind, or did it kind of evolve into fiction? You know, you kind of wonder. Mm-hmm. Well, in some instances, I think he starts out with his snootiness. I like to call it that because it's it's just he's starting to trying to let off steam, and by showing that. You know, he might have been mad at somebody or he's he's really frustrated about something and he's just wanting to, you know, really show that he is smart, that he does have, you know, this level. Yeah. And then it goes into the story. So it's like part of it, I think, is his own demons coming out at the very beginning. Mm hmm. Yeah. Will says going into fiction to perhaps avoid Mm -hmm. confrontations with real enemies. Yeah. I mean, Yeah, in some some ways, that's the best way to avoid conflict is to get it out on paper and then let it go. So some people dance it out. Eddie wrote it out. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) You know, and I think about the other art forms that people use their emotions to get out on canvas and paper and everything. Mm -hmm. What were you going to say, Doctor Jeff? Yeah, William Somerset Maugham was like that too. He said Mm -hmm. that. His mm. catharsis, his therapy was writing it out. That's why he wrote of human bondage. Um, mm-hmm. He said, you know, mm-hmm. if, you, if you have to expel something or purge something from your psyche and from your problems, write it, write it all out. Yeah. Yep. Right. That, that, well, does, I mean, that makes perfect all- sense. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, I think people even journal, you know, to get their feelings out, their emotions of whatever is working on themselves. Or working like Virginia you. said, she, she dances it out. Some yeah. people use exercise. <laughs> Some people when I'm allowed. And, yeah. yeah, when you're allowed, when you're thought, you know, hurting yourself. Uh, yeah. You know, somebody, some people use their art forms, their, whether it be mm-hmm. photo, photography or painting yeah. or, you know, writing, sewing even so you know <laughs> all those different all those different avenues are there yeah that, and and sometimes that's what i that's what i get when i read some of pose <laughs> when he uh love the background yeah yes i love the background too van gogh yeah the van gogh yes the van gogh yeah speaking of van gogh working his uh mental mm. challenges out <laughs> Yeah. That image is actually from a Poe website. Oh, nice. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I Google never bet the devil your head. And this is like image number two on Google search images. Okay. Um, I forget the exact website, website, but Mm, was it eapoe.org, maybe? Let me check. I'm sorry. It's not it's not Van Gogh, it's just someone painting like him. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh wow! Yeah, because yeah. I it looks like Van Gogh. It yeah, does. it kind of does. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's it's an awesome picture. Oh, it's from the Poe Museum. 
Okay. Okay. Oh. Cool. Nice. Yeah, it is. It's really nice. Carmen, what does your calendar say? The Spita? The spectacles. There's a glare from the light. Um, my husband right now is sitting reading on what we call the veranda. It's our screened in porch. Oh. And so there's a light coming in through. I've got big like picture windows um, where it's this is like my studio, I guess you could say. I call it my craft study. And mm -hmm. so it's it's got it's over here on the light is giving it a glare, but yeah, it's so it's, this is from the Poe museum. They do a cat calendar every year oh, with Pluto yeah. and, um, Oh Edgar. yeah. Edgar. Thank you. Um, yeah. of the Poe museum cats who, uh, live on property or visit on property every day. And so they do uh photoshopped images of them with all of Poe's stories and poems. And it's, I get it every year. And Jeannie gets one too, as a, Christmas mm -hmm. from our cats. We, we give it okay. from cats to cats. <laughs> yeah. From her cats to my cats for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But it's the spectacles. Yeah. Which I'm sure we will read down the road. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, I love that one. You like that one, Holly? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's one of my favorite. I love, I, I love like, I love the bizarreness of it. It's great. Well, Carmen and I were discussing, especially at the end, about the covered bridge, how there was a lot of alluding to like Washington Irving's yes, uh, Sleepy Hollow, the Headless yeah. Horseman and everything about the bridge and about the mm -hmm. different things. And, and we're like, well, you know, because it was written when he was like, what we say, Carmen 11? Around 11. It came, um, yeah. He published it in 1820. And so it... You know, I found a couple articles and for whatever reason, I thought I bookmarked them, bookmarked them on my computer and I checked my phone and I can't find it. I'm going to have to dig. But someone had written an article comparing and saying, looking at some of those things like the covered bridge, just being in the woods, the the you know, the devil walking out is reminiscent of the headless horseman. And it's like, mm -hmm. now Poe didn't steal the story at all because it's very different, but those elements probably inspired him possibly. I mean, and I, I think there's some really nice connections and, you know, kind of with, you know, the start of spooky season, I was like, it, it kind of, it makes this story really nice to talk about right now, even though it's really not a horror story. It's really like political satire is what Jeannie and I were talking about when you really oh, yeah. get right down to it. And farce, you know, yes. uh, he, he mm -hmm. can still reason and, and resist even after his head is gone. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that was sense. bizarre. That was so bizarre. I want to learn that trick. Yeah. Yeah. Me yeah. too. I mean, I know I mean, that when the brain dies, it lives for, you know, it's still within like 15 seconds, according to neuroscience, that the brain still processes for 15 seconds after death. Mm -hmm. And we all know that never mind what you do to the body, once the body dies, the, the whole system, the muscles and everything, once the blood is like leaking out, will still contract and still happen. Mm -hmm. That's where the whole zombie thing comes from especially mm -hmm. when they sit up and boy howdy that'll scare the crap out of you <laughs> but the one Jenny, thing you that, act like you've dealt with that not personally <laughs> but when i was in my when i was uh, in the criminology early years years ago and we went to the body farm in knoxville at yeah. ut mm. i got to experience some very interesting things oh cool Thankfully, none that actually stood up and looked at me. So that was good. Yeah. But there was still some very odd things happening. But the, also the one thing that I like is when I was rereading it, all I could think about at the end when the ahem came in and they were tr jumping the term style, what popped into my head was the Robert Johnson song, The Crossroads. Yes. Where he, you know, yes. the soul and everything because mm -hmm. i'm like and this this right here is what reminds me up because he he's cry he's jumping over the turnstile and the devil is there waiting and you know saying hey come on show me show me what you got but be ready be prepared to give up what you lose 
which he bet his, you know, bet the devil his head. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. like whenever you make a deal with the devil and he had to pay, you got Charlie Daniels, you know, the golden fiddle and all that wonderful stuff. Oh, yeah. So, but yeah, Robert Johnson, mm-hmm. I love him too. He's one of my yeah. favorite. Oh yeah. He's um, amazing. And my husband, and I just watched that movie crossroads because he had never seen did it. You? And yes. And I, I had seen it years before, but we had just gone to okay. see Steve Vai here in Nashville. Who's, who's the, you know, devil's musician in that movie. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I cannot believe you have not seen this movie as much as you love music. So we sat down one night and watched it and he loved it. And nice. Jeannie, you're right. It, this does remind me of that now that you say that. Yeah. I mean, it just, and even that just goes to show that things they may not have been, you know, specifically influenced by this mm-hmm you know, story, but at the same time, you can find influences throughout a lot of things, whether it be cartoons, like I said, the Bugs Bunny always comes to mind with the little devil and the little, yeah. you know, angel, and mm-hmm. although not a lot of kids today get to enjoy the nuances of Bugs Bunny anymore. A TV show that I have not watched yet, but I've heard it is fantastic is good omens. That reminds me of the the devil and the angel. Virginia, have you seen it? Yes. It's one of my favorite books. Okay. I mean, Eddie aside, Damon is like, I've met the man a billion times and He remembers me, which is crazy to oh, think because cool. I'm like, I'm, I, you meet a million people. How in the world do you remember me? But it's, it's, it's just, it, you can't, can't really see it because it's on the other side of the shelf, but it's like, yeah. I've got some of my Eddie stuff down here because most of it's up in my office, which I haven't finished yet, but yeah, like I've got like a ton of my game and stuff is like all over here in my Terry Pratchett stuff. So it's okay. stuff that I grew up with. But that show, like it's, it, I see, I totally, I totally hear you. I see it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I watched, I started watching it because David Tennant, of course, and Martin Sheen, two of my favorites. Oh my gosh. Um, But (laughs) some of the, some of the story kind of just got a little old in my book and a little too, Yeah, it just kind of like, well, okay. I was like, eh, nothing I haven't kind of Read the book. Read the book. That's that's usually the problem is I always find the books better than I find anything else. Yeah, oh, I do do too, usually. Yeah, Yeah. there's been very few times I've enjoyed anything that was made from a book. You know, Psycho is one of the one of the things that I can absolutely say that the movie stood up and mm-hmm. to the test of the book, even though it wasn't verbatim, it still kind of mm. hit to the mark. Yeah. And, uh, oh, and my one of my biggest of all time, The Outsiders. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, um, can, and it just blows my mind that S- when I found out that S.E. Hinton was a woman, Mm-hmm. I mean, even in the <laughs> early seventies, she was posting with an abbreviation, so she would it would be better. What was the word received? Better received by the audience if it was perceived to be written by a man, considering it was all about boys and the, yeah. you know, the living in those days in the fifties, sixties with the gangs, and especially it being in Oklahoma. Which yeah. was you know, mm-hmm. Tulsa, Oklahoma, which you're like, wow, really? You would think that it would be more of Los Angeles or New York or Miami or something that you would find this, but Tulsa, Oklahoma? Okay. Yeah. And and Tol- I, I just visited Tulsa. Um, my youngest stepdaughter's there, and it's a really cool place. 
Um, I did get to go to the outsider's house and take a tour. It is, it is really cool. And two of the guys that were extras were sitting on the porch greeting us when we got there. And then they had part of the movie showing um, when you go into the living room and one of those guys came in and he goes, I'm right there. And he looked the (laughs) same, but just a little bit older. (laughs) It was really neat. (laughs) And they live in the neighborhood. It was really neat. Um, I would say we, we've bird walked Janie, um, but in a good way. I was right on, I was right on the wire where I was going. I don't know where you went, but I'm just, oh, it's all good. I know you, this was your plan, your, your exactly. plot to take over the, the Poe world. Um, but no, we'll, we'll add it about, uh, Robert Johnson, even better than his guitar playing is his storytelling. Yes, mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, that's what made jazz and blues the greatest, in my opinion, is mm-hmm. because it's all about digging deep and telling that story. And you know that there's had morals, because if we're going back to talking about Poe and the moral of a story, the mm-hmm. blues and the jazz was all about telling that moral to the story, especially when you get the good old uh, strange, was it strange fruit? Strange fruit. Billy mm-hmm. Holiday. Yes. You know, how she was basically threatened with her life not to do that not to do that song and it's all about you know the the hangings and the all the the things that were going on and it's like you know sometimes you got to step out you got to tell that story you got to get that moral out there and even if you get preachy and beat a dead horse as my mom used to tell me mm-hmm. you know you got to get it somebody's going to get it in their head somewhere and it may not turn out the way you want it but that moral has got to be heard and just like this one you know damn it never got it (laughs) okay you know (laughs) damn it lost his head and and that could be it was both literally but you think about it figuratively he lost his head he got a little too big for his britches as my mama used to say too Mm -hmm. probably needed more than a southpaw to swipe him you know I mean, he was gambling when he was six months old. So come on, that's true. And he was born from the beginning. Yeah, it, and then yeah. the stash. Like, where in the world, dude? Really? I know. Why? And, you know I was just, one wow, of the, where'd you come from? That woo. Okay. One of the things that I was thinking too, uh, kind of connecting back to the transcendentalist with what we're talking about with when he lost his head, was that um, the the devil you know, it was like, you know, you know, you're going to transcend, you know, above the turnstile and um, just, you know, again, that nod or knock at transcendentalism. But it was like, to me, that was kind of a metaphor for Poe basically saying, if you fall into the the world of transcendentalism, you're going to lose your mind. I I kind of felt like that was, you know, Jeff, did you get that too? Yeah. uh Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, kind of like, don't don't fall into that path because that's what's going to happen. And yeah, you'll never come back. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's true. If and well, one thing I got was like, was Poe insulting the pigeon? Because when he was talking, oh, yeah, like, dude, stop insulting the poor pigeon, you know, <laughs> come on. Now, I was going to say, now you're mentioning pigeons uh, that it's like, um, you know, at the end of Nikola Tesla's life, he was obsessed with a pigeon. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we have one scientist out there that loved pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm I'm bird walking now. And that was very much unintended. Yes. (laughs) All right. Other thoughts on the story? Anything else you guys thought of or liked, didn't like? Well, I, have you have you all seen the, the 1968 movie Spirits of the Dead? I have not yet. And that's you had told me about it not that long ago. And Jeannie and I are planning to watch it. We just haven't had a chance. Mm-hmm. Yes, it, it's very strange, but very good. Um, a trilogy of Poe stories uh, mm-hmm. directed uh, by uh, three different directors, Roger Vadim, mm-hmm. 
who was married mm-hmm. to Jane Fonda at the time, and she's in his segment, and Louis Mall and Federico Fellini oh, direct mm-hmm. the uh, mm-hmm. uh, the Toby Dammit uh, segment, mm-hmm. which yeah. is my least favorite of the three because wow. it's it's, okay. a, it's it's a it's a Fellini movie, but it's not really the Poe story. Um, it takes mm-hmm. place in the then present time of the swinging sixties, and um, um, the character is a, a, a an alcoholic movie star, and he's gotten a brand new sports car, and he keeps seeing not the little man but a, a young girl. That's okay. the the form mm. that that the devil or the specter takes in in that movie, and uh, then at the end he's racing his sports car, and you know goes over a bridge that's still under construction or something, and and his his head is is taken off. Mm. So uh, the 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 other two segments are are better. Um, the the best one I think is the William Wilson segment, okay. and mm. then um. The other one with Jane Fonda is the uh, based on the Metzinger Stein, the story yes. about the brother and sister and the horse. Yes, that's a so, good. That's a so good. It, that's it's a, a very story. it's a very weird movie, but but very interesting. You know, uh, the first two are period pieces. I, I kind of like those better. They're more in line with the Roger Corman horror movie poems. Mm-hmm. Okay, but then uh, uh, sure. Toby Dammit is is very contemporary and modern. But it, it's worth taking a look at sometime. Spirits oh, yeah. of the Dead. Okay. Yeah, it's we interesting. Just it up over here. That's cool. Yeah, I forgot that that was the title of it. And I'm like, why did they use a title yeah. of a poem? Interesting. Yeah. Is the poem like read at the beginning or a line from the poem at the beginning? I, I, I think so. I, I believe okay. there is some sort of narration uh, that in the American version, I believe Vincent Price did a voiceover. Okay. Oh. But but in okay. the European version, he, he he is not in associated with the movie at all. Okay. Huh. That's interesting. Um, I may be wrong, but yeah. Well, I, I, I may be mixing that up with the Conqueror Worm, you know, Witchfinder General, but I'm not. Yes. Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Will says it made me think of the Devil and Daniel Webster. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. very much so absolutely yeah. and then micah said my favorite tom lair song uh poison po- poisoning pigeons in the park that's awesome <laughs> mm-hmm. and then let's see will also said my favorite is we'll all be together when we go okay um there was something else i had thought of and it just escaped my brain when we were talking about that um oh Kind of with what we were talking about, you know, with Poe going on about the every tale should have a moral, you know, do you do you feel like many of his stories didn't have morals or like, is this one of the few? Because I was trying to sit here and think about that, that that was popped in my head while we were talking. What do you all think? I think you can make a, um, for me personally, I can make a moral out of anything. I mean, so for me, it's like, it depends like how deep do you want to dig? I mean, you can, it can even be like a, not even a moral, like a lesson, like, you know, like tail tall heart, Mm -hmm. you're crapped together. I mean, you don't rat yourself out. You know what I mean? Like it could be something. Yeah. Or it could be like more heartfelt. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a lesson to be learned in hot frog. There's a lesson to be learned in the mask of red death. There's a lesson to be learned. I mean, there's, you know, you name it, you can find a lesson in I, I a agree lot with of y'all. stories. Yeah, I totally agree with y'all. And so it just, I, I don't know, I guess it was kind of interesting just oh, reading yeah. what I read about that the critics really didn't feel like he was doing that, you know, and I just feel mm-hmm. like, yes, you can. And I've, I actually just finished teaching narrative writing to my freshmen. And that's the one thing, again, the state, the way they score it. Um, I, I teach more than just, we have to teach to the test, but 
because I want them to be good writers. But the one thing that we've focused on a whole lot is you've got to have a reflection, which is goes back to theme and it goes back to what lesson are you learning from this? And so um, I haven't gotten to read their essays because they just finished them. Um, they had to read two passages about Nellie Bly and write on the perspective of Nellie Bly in one day of traveling. And so just from some of the ones I've just looked at periodically, they look like they've been very creative. So it's going to be fun to look at these. Um, but uh, Will said, I'm suddenly curious what the moral to the haunted palace was. Oh, interesting. Mm. I'll get back to you on that. Um, however, I, I do feel that he, I, I feel like if the, if, if this tale came off preachy, it's because he had so many other stories that did have a lesson in it that wasn't spelled out for you. It wasn't like, bam, in your face, this mm -hmm. is the lesson. You know, it was something that as you're reading it, you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, we don't want to do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> we definitely don't want it. No, that's not a good way to behave. No, that's something you don't want to do. You know, like, yeah. it's well, not. You also so have to. Sorry, go ahead, Virginia. No, no, I was just going to say it's not so spelled out that, sorry, I had someone trying to call me and I had to. Oh, it's okay. Back. It's all right. Um, but, you know, it, it just wasn't so spelled out that feel like probably a lot of people including his peers or his reviewers mm -hmm. completely missed the point mm -hmm. i think you're right completely yeah. missed it yeah but um, what i was going to say is that also you have to understand we being oh so different people with our life and what we grew up with how we live what we think some of us may find some things in stories that others may not. Mm -hmm. I mean, most of you have been, unfortunately, on the receiving end of my wackiness when I can see things in certain areas that, you know, most people are like, what? You know, and I've always been that way because even my own family didn't know how to talk to me. It was that that's because I was so different and so on, I don't know, the weirdness scale, I guess you could say. But at the same time, what someone's what one person's moral may not fit with someone else's. That's they may true. not need that lesson. So they may see something else. Oh, thanks, Will. I agree. We're gonna invent a weirdness scale just for you. <laughs> well, I would still blow it because nobody would never meet my level of weirdness, but okay. <laughs> I'll just go with that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's the way, even with like the Haunted Palace, like one of my favorite, and Carmen knows this, my favorite of Edgar Allan Poe is his poem, El Dorado. Yeah, she loves it. It is one, because it's Beautiful. always resonated in me, because I don't think that finding a pot of gold or finding the gold is what the end is going to be of you know my search to make me happy because yeah. it doesn't have to be a materialistic thing like my goal could be peace could be just a set of <laughs> yes will i do remember that now that you said it yeah you know everybody is searching and reaching for something whether you know it be a materialistic part whether it be spiritual whether it be transcendental will go that far but it just it's it's to me each story hits the person that's reading it in a different way and that's it's the one thing that poe does is he leaves a lot for his readers to just take what he you know what he's given them and do with it what it fits right for them in my opinion so i i think so too and i think jeff you were about to say something Oh, well, a literary theory is called the reader response theory. Mm -hmm. And uh, it, it says that we readers or of the story or the play or viewers of the movie or whatever mm -hmm. sort of shape the story around our 
background and our experiences. And, and, and as Jeannie said, we get something different out of it than somebody yep. else does because uh, it, 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 plays on our emotions and our experiences and and we can identify with this part oh she's like this character is like me or he did something that I would never do or that I did and so we we sort of put ourselves into the action of the story yeah that's a, that's a really good point that really is because so, sometimes like when I'm reading it I, I almost like think of myself as the narrator in a way, just because it is first person perspective, but mm -hmm. at the same time, yeah, if there's something that I'm not like quite sure about, I'm like, Oh, I don't think I would have done that. <laughs> but then I think, what would I do differently? But I love that everybody does have those different perspectives. And sometimes we all agree on certain things or we see the same things. But to me, we learn so much from each other, especially in our group of what these stories, what everybody thinks they mean and, you know, what Poe's intentions were and that kind of thing. So it's really cool. Yeah. Correct. Oh, sorry. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, because it's been a while and I'm not sure where I read this from, but didn't Edgar Allan Poe also say that why can't a story just be a story for the sake of being a story that, you know, that doesn't always need to necessarily have a moral for it to be a good story? Or am I crazy? Or am I making this up? I I think he did say that. It's I see, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I kind of always yeah, keep yeah, that since yeah, I do like, the children's crazy. books. I always kind of think yeah. that in the back of my head, like people want morals, but like whatever just happened to like a cute story for the sake of it being a cute story? I'm always like, yeah, I grabbed the poster. It was okay, but I'm like, I don't know where it's actually from that like, he said it, but I felt like yeah. I read it somewhere. No, hi. I think you make a really good point. Kind of like I forget who. The, who this quote is from but art for the sake of art yes you know art for it, art. yes yeah Oscar yeah. Wilde thank you that. thank you okay mm -hmm. thank you Jeff yep. um yeah and Holly I think that's a very good point and sometimes we do get wrapped up in what's the hidden meaning you know because I I really want to search for cryptograms within some of his works because I think they're embedded um, we just haven't found them all yet. <laughs> That's just my conspiracy theory. Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. And, and I, some, I some writers like Faulkner and Steinbeck have commented that people read too much into my stories. People yeah. do yes. things mm -hmm. out of my stories that I wasn't thinking about or didn't put in there, at yeah. least consciously. Yeah. And I don't know okay. if you guys saw... Um, Micah's comment about the cask of Amontillado's lesson, always keep a jackhammer in your back pocket or at least a cell phone with good signal. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> no, in that oh. instance, it's like, turn around, stupid. Okay. Oh, that's, all I could, that's all I could do in that thank story. You. Just keep saying, turn around, stupid. Turn around. Yes. You know, I mean, he's giving you an out. Turn around. But it just, yeah. But, I mean, you're right. Sometimes a story is just a story. However, that story is just a story could just be for the writer. It doesn't necessarily have to be for the reader. That is and, true. You know, and that that's pretty much what it is. It's like, you know, Dr. Jeff was talking about. Uh, the dramatic irony. You know, uh, when a person is watching a play on stage, what someone, you know, is getting from that could be different than what someone else is and like what's going on on stage is a different type of irony than what's going on in the audience so those are those are just the literature or the literary aspects of any type of work whether it be song poem story you know storyteller anything even in a picture whether it be a photographer or it could be a painter, um, a you know, a, a picture is just a picture. They yeah. say that a picture is worth yeah. a thousand words. Sometimes a picture is just a picture. If it's a white wall, it's just a white wall. If it's a black canvas, it's a black <laughs> canvas, you know, but it's all about the eye of the beholder, in my opinion. So, yeah, yeah. the eye of the but creator. No wrong yeah. Yeah, there there are no wrong answers in literature, in my opinion. Yeah, in the, in the art world, there is no wrong answer. 
Yeah, I have to I have to tell my students all the time because it's hard to sometimes get them to like talk to each other or talk to me when we're reading things. And I'm like, there are no wrong answers here. You can disagree with me and I'm okay with that. I'm not going to think bad of you because we don't have the same opinion. I'm learning from you as much as you're learning from me. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's, I think it's hard for people to think about it like that because, you know, especially if it's teacher to student, it's like, Oh, we got to impress the teacher. But um, it's just, yeah. Well, any other, go ahead, Jeannie. No, I was just going to say that's just life. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You have to to accept it in your own world. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So any last thoughts? Uh, We're kind of getting down to um, our time. Um, Any last thoughts on this story? I think everybody liked it. it just from the comments. It's a, it's a good one. My last comment that I will make, and this will go back to the the wretched story that I just don't even want to say, but words with a mummy. Oh. Uh, when he when he was bringing up the mustache, the baby wearing a mustache, I'm thinking, dude, are we going back to words with a mummy where you come up with this whole outfit? He's got a monocle and and sideburns, and you just have a handy. I, I got a little upset because I was like, oh, no, 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 no. Yeah. But uh, he, he, he got he got away from that quickly. So I was like, all right. Yeah. Will says, <laughs> to be honest, I much better enjoyed our discussion and analysis of it than I did the actual story. Okay, cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I enjoyed talking about this. And I mean, Jeannie and I always talk about it a little bit before we talk to you guys. And um, yeah, and we had a we had a good talk about it as well. Um, so next month, um, our Gothic guest is actually with us tonight. It's going to be Micah. Micah. Oh, hi, Micah. And um, so he's going to be our Gothic guest. And uh, we um, are going to be reading the poem alone and talking about that poem. And so I think that's a great one for October, just thinking mm-hmm. about spookiness and what that poem means to what we think it means to Poe and analyzing it. So we're, you know, we always like to throw in a poem here and there and um, yeah, so I'm excited about it. And, um, and then I had, Micah had sent me um, a video of him. He, you know, he is a magician and a really where he is reciting the Raven. I'm not going to give some details away, but I'm hoping we're going to get to show it on Poe Unplugged. Um, mm-hmm. And I think you guys will absolutely love it. It is amazing. So even though we're not going to read the Raven, talk about it, because we've already done that, but we wanted to share this because Micah is amazing in this. So, and Micah's yeah. just amazing. <laughs> And he says, and you can repeat the date and time. So I have it right. Yes. I'm about to tell that. So because Halloween <laughs> is on a Tuesday, we know everybody is going to be doing either, you know, trick or treating, giving out candy, whatever you're doing on Halloween. Mm-hmm. Um, I will be returning from New Orleans um, that night. And um, take me with you. Oh, come on. We're celebrating a friend's birthday that weekend. He's turning 50. <laughs> but so anyway, so Poet Plug is not the last Tuesday of October. It's going to be October 24th, Tuesday still, but just one week earlier, just so everybody has their Halloween festivities, you know, on their own. And then um, again, uh, alone and then 7 p.m., you know, Central Standard Time, just like we always do. And so um and then I think we already told you in November, we're going to read King Pest and where is he at? And so we will, we're going to have a little visitor, Andrew Jackson, <laughs> coming your way. Um, and then uh, December, Jeannie, have we decided December yet? Nope. Okay. No, but here, here's what I want to know. You guys are with us every month and we love you so much for supporting us and we i mean i again i look forward to these discussions 
so much. It just, it, it makes my night when we get to talk. So we want to hear, and if you'd rather like send us an email, we want to know going forward for December onward, you know, for the rest of season three, what do you guys want to read? Because, um, yeah, we, we've got thoughts, you know, I would love to do like a series where we do, you know, three months in a row, maybe, or maybe break it up of like the Dupin mysteries, you know, more of the, the ladies of Morella and Berenice and that kind of thing, but, or more poems, like we want to hear from you. What do you want to read and talk about? So. Yeah. And maybe even, and here's a thought you can bring it in on your own and like start the discussion and say yeah. why you chose that and give us, you know, you be the, the spotlight head for that. Yeah. That poem plugged. That would be awesome. Mm -hmm. That would be yeah. awesome. Some words so. of the mummy have a sequel. Oh, wonderful. Yes. Oh, that yeah. would make everyone happy. Jeannie, I think you should <laughs> write the sequel. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh, I've already got it. It'll be two words. The end. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right there. I, I wrote it for you right there. The end. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. So does anybody have any thoughts right now or would you rather uh, just email us and let us know? Yeah. Think on it. They want to think on it. Thunk on it. Whatever. Okay. So, yeah, because you can get a hold of us. Don't worry. Oh, yeah. Send us your thoughts, opinions, and yes. as long as it's not something that we've already covered at least twice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like yeah. the Raven, Annabelle, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. Um, and just to let y'all know, um, October, the weekend of October 7th, um, we will be at the Poe Fest and Holly in Virginia will be there, too. And so if Very you're in exciting. the, um, you know, Baltimore area, definitely come out to the festival. And Jeff, I'm, I hate that we're going to have to miss the hoot nanny here that, that I, I'm hoping <laughs> yes. that'll fall on a different weekend one year. So, mm -hmm. but um, yeah, so we're excited it's about awesome. that. And then next Tuesday, October 3rd, from 1230 to 8 Eastern Standard Time, oh. Jeannie and I are hosting um, the Kickstarter event. Um, we call it Launch Party. Party for the next Love Letters to Poe um, anthology. I don't, I don't mm -hmm. have my book with me. Um, Sarah Corporal Smith is the editor publisher and it's a collection it's an anthology collection of other writers who have written post stories and poems the next one is going to be themed uh telltale heart it's uh tales torn from the heart mm -hmm. is the title <laughs> and she's opening up i think Jeannie, it's on october 3rd that day she's yes. opening up for submissions so anybody can submit oh. poetry or short stories um, mm -hmm. I've read, I've just finished the second one, uh, houses of usher. I read, uh, the first one, Jeannie's got the first book. Um, mm -hmm. but they're, they're amazing. I mean, some of the stories are in poems are written so much like Poe. It's like, it's eerie in, in a good way. Mm. So, um, but we're having all kinds of like that day. Um, Jeannie and I will be live on YouTube the entire day, uh, interviewing people, um, we're having Poe trivia where, um, there's going to be some raffles for some online copies of, uh, author's books. Uh, let's see, there's a tarot panel. There's, um, Jason Wits. Yeah. Poe movies. We're probably going to show the telltale heart. They're short. And, um, Jason Markiewicz is going to do a dramatic reading of the Telltale Heart towards the end of the day. Um, Chris mm -hmm. Sempner, who is the um, curator at the Poe Museum in Richmond, is also going to be on with us as well. So it is a full day of Poe and Telltale Heart, and it's going to be fun. So definitely jump on if you can. Yep, so, it'll be a blast. So, and once more, we love that you guys are joining us, and we yes. look forward to seeing you next month. Yes, thank you. Really quick, so, Jeannie, when is when's the new content coming out, or is it out already with your uh, with your oh, what's it called? Your time YouTube, traveling. 
Time, yeah. time talks with Jeannie. Oh, yes. The first, the first one should be posted in all. Well, I was wanting to get it this weekend, but barring some, you know, medical reasons, I'll probably have it uh, the mid, middle of October. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yep. Yes. And it'll be. Ah, yeah, it's it's going to be me. What can I say? It's yes. me. Her chair is waiting. <laughs> yes. And my my Poe cut out. Yes. Is waiting. So, <laughs> Poe and I will have our time talk. Yes, and so. we we began words with Wednesday, and because life has been really crazy at school here lately, I've had a lot of evening events. I had to postpone for a couple weeks, so this week we will have another words with Wednesday. If you haven't watched our little shorts on that, so oh no, I missed that. Okay. Yeah, the first the first one was ten ten ovulation. I just that to me was I had to do that one first. I'll <laughs> leave it a secret as to what the next one is. Um, I vote. I, sh- for I shall no. I shall give no hints. Never more. Yeah. <laughs> Procrastination is still my word for Wednesday, but okay. <sighs> All right. Well, I think we can stick <laughs> another pin. And our Poe Unplugged. Just yes. make sure it's not electrical. Just saying. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. All right. Thanks, guys. It's been awesome. Yeah. See you next month. Thank you. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Bye, everybody. Bye, Bye. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.